Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. What's up, everybody? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode features a very good friend of mine. His name is Danny Donovan. Danny has been a friend and a business associate for, geez, coming up on 10 years now. Um, the thing I've always respected about Danny and admired most about him is how willing he's always been to help people. Uh, he has personally helped me over and over again, especially when we first started out because uh, he was really way ahead of me in terms of web design and web development. And we would have hours when we were first starting our businesses of just talking on Facebook and me just prodding him with questions. And he was always so generous with his time and, you know, always helped me out so that I could succeed and never helped me out because he wanted uh, something from me in the future. He's a great person. He's kind He's humble. He runs a killer, killer design and marketing agency. If you uh, want to look into him more, please go to D, the letter D, dsquaredmedia.net. Uh, you can reach out to him personally, call him, ask for Danny. And I, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I had a great conversation with him. I got to learn um, even more about him and I'm I continue to be impressed uh, with Danny's integrity as a man, a businessman, and a human being. So please help me welcome Danny Donovan. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for coming in. I figure before we get started, I'll tell everybody a little bit about uh, uh, what it is that you do and, and why we've been working together for so long. Danny designed my first ever website. And I'm not talking about the Sober Nation site. I'm talking about Stodzy.com. Do you remember the day when you designed it? It was a while ago. It was a long time ago. I forgot that we even did it until um, I was skateboarding over here. And I was thinking about when we had that big glass window in that first ever office that we all had. And I was kind of writing it all out on that glass window. Um I think I don't even remember what the point of it. I think I was just trying to do like a news blog or something, yeah. and that was how it all started. And now from that little website, <laughs> it turned into something. It's crazy. Know? That was such a long time ago. It was a really long time ago. Danny has always been what I've considered the best designer that I know. Um, and on that note, like I hate to start off with such a, a cliche introductory question but i've never actually asked this of you before like how did you even get into design i got into design in the early or late and probably like mid 90s uh it was the explosion of aol mm -hmm. and uh we used to have those website builders like excite and angel fire and geo cities and yep. stuff like that and i wanted to create my own website and it spawned off from that at that so point. you were just like naturally into it yeah i mean it, i've always had a knack for creativity you know school was never my forte and you know i'm more of the what, what do they call it? like the right you know left brain or right brain or whatever it's called and um creativity is where i kind of found my outlet 
So you weren't into school? No. <laughs> Me Awful. neither. Which is funny, too, because I find that most people that end up doing things on their own uh, had a hard time with school. And I don't know if there's like a rebellion thing in there or, you know, I I was in New Orleans and I read this, uh, it was like this sign on the wall. It was, a, I think it was like a, a clothing store or something. And on like one of the advertisements on the windows that looked down to the sidewalk um, there was this great quote, and I think it was actually a serious quote. I think this guy was a psychologist. I can look it up, but he said, to understand the delinquent, study the entrepreneur, because both the delinquent and the entrepreneur say, screw this, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and um, I think that like has a lot to do with it, because I, there were classes in school that I liked, but I just could not stand being there. I couldn't stand being there at all because I just I felt like I had a better way to do it. Do you still feel that way? F- for the most part, you know, I um, learning has never been my forte. So it's you know, reading and writing has never been a pleasure for me. You know, you put something on tape, and you know, I can go to town on it. But that surprises me to hear you say that because and you're always so up to date with like the new languages of code and like the new design tactics and everything i feel like i'm always like to it siri (laughs) really right click and press play that's too funny so you like you're more of an audible learner yes i'm i um you might not know this but i am dyslexic so reading is much harder much much harder for me than you know what most people can you know do you think that has to do with why you like design could be my uncle is dyslexic Hmm. he uh struggled i mean i know that on the surface people seem like it's not really that that big of a deal but i saw him really really struggle and i remember one time he got a c plus uh because he was going to school to be a a physical therapist and he got a no it was a c it wasn't even c plus he got a c and he was so so excited about it because of how hard it was for him so when you say do you think that your apprehension to school was more about having a learning disability or more about just not liking it? Both. You know, I it, I can remember from very early on that it was extremely hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it nothing came easy. I could study and study and study. And a C was, <laughs> I was jumping for joy because <laughs> these things were incredibly difficult. Wow. You know, it was never about grades for me. You know, I did, gr- I did good in school, but uh-huh. I just, you know, even college, you know. I you went to college? Yeah. Oh, but you got, yeah. But that was a design school, right? You still got to do uh, work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not just like, you know, you, you design all day. I still had to take basic classes and do algebra and English lit and all that kind of stuff. There's a, have you ever read David and Goliath? Well, obviously, after no, we just had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, clearly, you haven't read. Um, it's a book by Malcolm Gladwell. And it was really fascinating because he studied some ultra ultra successful people and he found out that there's like a really high correlation but like richard branson was the kind of the example that he used a real high correlation between these people um and learning disabilities richard branson's dyslexic and he found out because i I don't know how much you know about malcolm gladwell but he does really in-depth studies about um things that aren't necessarily like straight analytical, you know, like things you have to really make some like correlations mm-hmm. and, and come up with some stuff. And he found out that 
these learning disabilities kind of turned into a little bit of an advantage, uh, especially in the case of Richard Branson, because he couldn't rely on like the typical methodologies behind getting places. He had to like come up with his own and get creative. Mm-hmm. You think you've had to do some of that? And that's basically, you know, I think where I excelled, you know, uh-huh. I had to use the creativity and my way of thinking to get me to where I am today. Thinking back on that, a thing, when I think of the relationships that we've had, I remember when I was building that Stasi site and you and I would chat on Facebook all the time because I was always asking you questions because I had no idea what I was doing. And I told you that I was thinking about starting like an SEO company and you were the first person to actually say to me like, Tim, do you have any idea what you're doing? (laughs) And um, I thought I did. And you said something like, okay, so if I were a client or a prospect and said, where would you start? What would you say? And you're the first person to kind of call me out a little bit and say, and tell me like the truth about what was happening and, and my goals. And I don't know if I ever like mentioned that to you, but I always really appreciated you saying that to me because it really, really stuck. And that was the moment where I, I took into consideration that like, yeah, I can talk and I can probably, I'm pretty good at convincing people that I know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> like I, I've always had a little bit of a gift for gab, but that was the first time when I actually took a step back and just started studying and studying. And I, I say that because like this journey has been really, really wild. And I think sometimes we forget about that just because we get stuck in like the day to day. And because you're always like looking towards the next thing, it's real difficult to like look at what you have now and say like, man, I've really come a long way just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, just because that's not how it works. But speaking on that journey, where do you think either in business or in design, what do you think has the biggest has been like the biggest factor for growth for you? Like where do you think you've grown the most? It's tough. I think, you know, when I first started the company, I didn't really have a rhyme or a reason of where I was going or who I wanted to be and, 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 and things like that. It was more of, I don't want to work for the guy. And mm. that's bond off into kind of what it is today. You know, it first started off as hiring an intern and having one other individual at the office with us. And next thing I knew it was kind of like the managerial side of the business where, you know, I think you had me read a, uh, a book the other day. Yeah. It was talking about like the manager and the entrepreneur and then like the, the technical. And, you know, it's interesting because I was all technical. Mm-hmm. I had no managerial skills whatsoever. And honestly, I still don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm good at one thing and I'm very much an entrepreneur. I want more, you know, I can see this, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, but I can also see the project at hand. But when it comes to managing people, it, it, it's more of, you know, the difference. So, like, where I kind of see, you know, myself now and, and the, the biggest achievements is, you know, taking what we have now to where it is, you know, where where it's been going. It, it's incredible. And, and it, with anything, like, I think a lot of it is, you know, kind of just going with the flow. The cliche saying is, you know, kind of one day at a time and, and kind of seeing where things kind of, you know, come, come to fruition. On that, I'm... Sorry to cut you off, but it sounds like what you're saying is you've grown a lot in the managerial aspect of things. I find that to be the hardest thing, too. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, uh, not nearly where I wanted to be. Of course. But in terms of, you know, largest growth, yes, I, I would say so. The thing that I find hardest about managerial 
is just personalities <laughs> because it's not like you can write well i guess you can but it's difficult to put a guideline behind it because you just always have to account for little variables with everybody's personality like sometimes you got to talk to this person a different way than you would talk to that person and when there's a million things going through your head my thinking is always like i just need to make this as crystal clear as possible Mm -hmm. and then like you know sometimes i'll say it and i'm like regretting it you know Mm -hmm. and i'm feeling like man i could have done that a little bit differently or a little bit better and i'm i don't know if there's ever I don't know if you ever really get to the point where you feel super comfortable with it. I think even like top managers would tell you that there's still things that they struggle with because I don't know, like working with people is tough, right? Oh yeah. It's tough. You know, I look at, you know, there's a, um, there's another podcast slash blog that I listen to on YouTube and I can't think of it at the top of my head, but they are talking about like, you know, the few things that that business owners have trouble with is, or, or, or not not have trouble with, but that you know the top five things that are more difficult than most is one asking for money, mm-hmm. two is laying people off, mm-hmm. three is hiring people, four was you know how to manage employees, and five is manage the expectations of clients, and that pretty much subs subs up my my life right <laughs> there. Yeah. You know that is the hardest thing that anybody can deal with because um, it's personalities, it's conflict, it's emotion. It's money, and you know, uh, unfortunately, all those things are what makes a business either succeed or fail. Most likely, fail too. Yeah, I think asking people for money. It, I'm always very grateful that I had a lot of shitty sales jobs that got me over that fear of people hanging up on you, people telling you like, don't ever call me again, cursing you out and just getting comfortable with understanding that the worst thing that can happen is they say no, because it feels really, really heavy when Mm -hmm. you get a no, like it's it's like getting dumped or something, (laughs) you know, you, you go home and you can't stop thinking about it and you feel almost embarrassed a little, but in reality, if if you can't, I feel like the consequences of not getting over that fear and putting yourself in those situations where you can be, you know, like quote unquote hurt, right, is way less than never taking the risk to do so. Because if you don't take the risk to do so, you're just not. It's you have just nothing not to lose. Happen. Yeah, you got nothing to lose, right? Do you do the sales yourself, or do you think it's better to hire somebody to do them? You know, in terms of doing the sales myself. Mm-hmm. I always are am either the first or second point of contact in terms of whoever the individual is. I think it is very important to have a customer service facing individual mm-hmm. that talks to the, the person right away and then they go right into the technical. Because if you don't know what you're talking about on a sales call, you're done. Yeah, people can sniff it out quickly. Very quickly. And it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter if you know what you're talking about or not. If they have the just a little bit of doubt that you don't know, Mm-hmm. You lost it. Um, in terms of the best um, lead source for us has been really word of mouth. Word of mouth and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook for us has been incredible. And I'm not talking about Facebook ads. I'm talking about organic. You know, if you know me, I post it on a regular basis because it's shocking to me that I have X amount of people I know on Facebook and I post on that I'm a website designer or, or a creative guy, and they're like, oh, wow, that's what you do for a living? 
And, you know, I post it on there and, you know, people's friends, parents, loved ones or whoever contacts me and they realize that I'm, I'm in the industry and I could potentially help in terms of the worst way of collected leads mm-hmm. is Google AdWords. Honestly, paying for at paying for search terms for us is been incredibly difficult, very costly. Um, and I think when you're going that route in an industry where people are doing exactly what you're doing, yeah, you're competing with a whole nother beast. Um, people have, you know, their, their ad spend is three times as high or three times as less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized that like for us, it is very much word of mouth. Um, we use re- recently, we've been using a lot of, uh, thumbtack.com yeah. as a source of our leads, small, smaller businesses, um, realistic budgets and 99% of the clients that we deal with are actually nice, good people that mm-hmm. they, they, they value the service that you're offering. I want to step, I want to stick on the Facebook thing for a bit. Let me ask you this. Do you, when you say that you share it, do you mean on your personal yes. thing? Okay. So you're, it's almost like another form of word of mouth is what you're saying. Yes. So it's almost not even necessarily like Facebook marketing, spending ads and lead funnels and bringing them down the whole thing. It's just saying openly to people that may or may not know you that like, this is what I do. And I would like you to call me. Exactly. It's more of the organic reach. I Mm. think, I think with social media is being who you are and allowing people to follow you for whatever reason they're following you, whether it be friend, family or, you know, social gathering. But, you know, I post on a regular basis and people already follow the things that I, that I'm interested in, usually uh-huh. the same interests. You take that a step farther, you can promote businesses with that if you're not overly doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I can't go off, you know, promoting, you know, Joe the roofer, you know, 50 times. People are not going to listen to me. Yeah. I like you saying that because I think that's something, I think people get intimidated by social media marketing and especially ones how do i say this i find a lot that people are apprehensive to put their stuff out there because they don't want to come across as like being blatant or bothering people you know like how many times have you heard that like well i don't want to post that all over people's feeds but it's almost like we're just talking about asking for money like the consequences of not doing that are that nothing is going to happen. Mm-hmm, Did you struggle with like that weird apprehension of putting your stuff out there? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I actually got a lot of pushback from a lot of the people I know is, oh, you post a lot. that You do this, you do that. And the more I post, the more response I got, mm-hmm. the more I wanted to do it. Yeah, And it's like, you know, I, and I think that really ties us back into the f- first initial question is like being an entrepreneur versus not. Mm-hmm. I wanted more. I was never okay with what I had. Mm-hmm. You know, some me- people may call that a bad thing. I call it a blessing. Some. Um, and I really took, you know, that social aspect of it, whether it's somebody tagging me a post that they need a website designer or they needed something printed for business cards. I just took that and I rolled with it. And the next thing I knew is, when I post this one thing, I get response A, B, C. You know, typically when I post, you know, if I, you know anybody looking for a website or logo or anything like that, I'll get two to three people within the next week, almost every time. Granted, I don't do it every day because mm-hmm. I don't want to kill that vibe. Of course, but it's it proves to be pretty successful. You're changing my viewpoint on a lot of this. 
I think that I think that my beef with it is that it doesn't require people to actually have skills anymore. Because mm-hmm. if you have even the slightest little audience, you can just create some decent content with some decent copy and tell as many people as you can that you can do this thing, even if you don't have any background or documentation proving that you know what you're doing, you can just say it from what you're telling me is just be authentic and be honest mm-hmm. and then people will respond. Yeah. But I also see the, what you're saying as well. Yeah. It drives me crazy. I don't know why I have such like a bitter resentment towards that shit. It drives me. You know, I see these, um, these lead funnel Facebook ads of marketing companies that are trying to sell this ebook or give promote this ebook for the service they're trying to offer. And then you click their Facebook page and they have five likes. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what you're trying to cloud, you know, smoke and mirrors type thing. And Mm -hmm. I get it. You know, it's, uh, unfortunately I think both of us owning a marketing company, we're seeing an explosion of companies doing exactly what we do with no experience needed. There's a positive and a negative to that. I, I, I bring on competition. I like it. But I like that too because I think it'll benefit me in the long run. 100%. Off the top of my head, and I'm sure if we combine forces, we can come up with a whole lot, but Stadzi is five years old. I can, I'm can, i way past the amount of fingers I have that can count the companies that came out, built websites, talked about SEO, SEO, and are just gone now. But it's funny because I think the reason for that is – even if you have the technical skills, the best thing, the best marketing platform you can have is people talking about your business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we seen that? The word of mouth still does more. It outweighs we, everything. You know, you're, everything. It, think about when you go get a roof for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Who you're going to? You're not going to Google. You're going to your neighbor. You're yeah. going to your friend. You're going to your parent. And you're asking for who they used because either it was affordable, it was great customer service. It's very much the same thing. Mm-hmm. People are more more willing to use someone they know and they someone they've trusted over than a Google search or a fate, you know, looking looking on Bing or or, or you know using Angie's list. Um, that's why. And then you know, kind of like double that up a little bit is, you know, I I always say this to every business: reviews, reviews, reviews. Yeah. I don't. I'm so bad at that. It is because for me. I look at, if I'm looking at a product for a very first time on Amazon, like for instance, the other day I was looking at like dog collars and the first thing I do is I click on the one star review. Mm-hmm. I want to read what everybody said negatively about your business because I got to realize if it's you know real or not because you have people that are going to write good stuff and you're going to have people that write bad stuff. Um, and you know, when I'm looking at someone's, you know, reference, I always go to Google and I always do my own research and then I, you know, Follow up with a phone call or, you know, or a form of contact at some point. Mm-hmm. Just this morning, Juliana, my fiance, <laughs> went, I know I'm still getting used <laughs> to it, went to about a week and a half ago, she went to LA Fitness with me and they said it's $15 to work out. So like, okay, that's a lot, but whatever. Like, we're just trying to work out. We'll pay it. And the guy said, oh, no problem. He's like, let me, you mind if I take your, your driver's license? And so right away, we're like, all right, LA Fitness. Like, we know what you're doing, whatever. You got us. And uh, when we leave, he says to Jules that he emailed her a two-week pass. So it's a free two-week pass. And then we came back, and 
she, the, the same exact guy was there. And if, if you see my fiance, she's a very recognizable person. You know, if you see her, you you stop and you, and you look at her. And, and like you, the guy recognized her is, is what I'm trying to say. She came back. He said, I've never seen you before. And that experience left such a bad taste in Juliana's mouth that she has not stopped talking about it. Even just this morning, I told you we're in Fort Lauderdale getting lunch with people. And she's told the story again. It's probably been 20 people now that Juliana said, like, these people are cooks. And then the reason why it was funny is because we thought maybe it was just that guy. But she went to the LA Fitness review section for the one in Hillsborough. And the one-star review said that... Don't listen to them when they say they're sending you a, a two, a hmm. free two-week pass. They're hmm. just trying to get you in and they're trying to trick you. And like that one review is exactly why Juliana will never ever go to LA Fitness again. It's all about the exactly. first initial. You know, it, you know, it's just like anything else. It's like dating. It's like you know when you meet someone for the first time, when you talk to somebody on the phone for the very first call. It is first appearances are everything. Mm-hmm. And if they're not done correctly, you're not gonna have a lead. You're not gonna have a date. You're not going to have, you know, anything. And I think it's also that people, even though it's it's business and you think of it as being very methodical and emotionless, it's not at all. Because we've learned over and over again that people like doing business with people that they like. And sometimes it's almost irrational. I'd say most of the time mm-hmm. it's irrational. If you treat people well, when, when Brian and I started... Stasi, one of the first things that we said is customer experience within tech industries sucks because anytime you talk to like an SEO company or, or in a, deve- a development company, they always speak to you in development terms and nobody can ever understand what they're saying. And so they almost just talk over you because they know that you're not going to understand them enough to ask them mm-hmm. questions. The questions how to do it. Yeah. And so we thought we're going to take the opposite approach. We're going to hold everybody's hand, be overly communicative I think that's how you say that. <laughs> uh, oh, we're going to overly communicate. And we think that we will keep customers and clients longer because they trust us and they like us and they appreciate that. And what has happened is even on if, if we screwed something up or even if we had a month where traffic or results have been down, which just happens, and there's not always a whole lot you can do about it. If we're honest about it and like we're transparent and we tell them exactly why we think it happens – we find that it's almost like a positive thing because it can strengthen the the resolve in the relationship. I've seen that you've been, again, when we first started, one of the first things you ever said to me was you always have to remember this an actual person on the other end of that phone. I think you've been really good about that. You know, I think being upfront and honest with every single customer, regardless if it's going to be a good conversation or a bad conversation, yeah. has to be done. Tell the truth. I think if you are quick to hide results, hide expectations, you're going to get just the same back. You know, I've always been, you know, I, I live like this in my life. I believe that secrets make you sick. I've said that many, many times. You can take that for however you want to take it. Mm. But if you're not upfront and honest about what's going on, how can you expect anybody else to be? And especially in our industry, because it can be so easy to manipulate charts and use semantics to say that twist something so it sounds good and kind of convolute the convolute the truth because again a lot of people just don't necessarily understand what we're talking about and i never heard it put that way i mean i've heard 
different expressions of it, obviously, but secrets make you sick. Carrying secrets around with you can be like a physical illness. And uh, I don't know when you said when you said that, man. I felt it like like punched me kind of right in the chest. You mm-hmm. know, I agree. Carrying secrets around with you is almost work. Yeah. It feels like it feels hard to do. Yeah, it feels really hard to it's do. It's a job. And it's ironic because there's so many times where I would see a company that just got shut down. We're talking about an SEO company right down the street that just got shut down. I know the secrets that they were carrying with them. And I remember thinking to myself, if they just actually did it the right way, they would probably still be in business. Like I get confused why people think it's easier to lie and to have secrets, especially in regards to marketing, because people will sniff you out. And you'll go out of business. Like, there's only so long that that racket works. I mean, how many rackets have we seen get shut down over the years? Too many. Too many, right? Is that part of your upbringing? Is that part of just what you choose to believe in, especially in a business context? Did they teach you that in school? Like, where does that philosophy come from for you? I think for me, you know, and I'll put this out there. I think, you know me becoming uh, me being in recovery mm-hmm. i think i learned very early on in my process that if i don't talk about everything that's going on in my life they don't come and bite me in the ass mm-hmm. um the way i talk to the my peers and the people around me is is if there was something haunting you if you don't talk about it it's going to continue to haunt you and you can use that in my instance business relationships business life, however you want to take it. Um, I believe that if you are unable to be honest with yourself, how can you be honest with anybody else? I mean, I really think that's how my first relationship kind of spawned into what it was. I think that's how my business flourished. And, you know, I think, you know, when I first started the business, people knew I had no experience. I was, I was from college. What, I had no real life experience, but people liked that because I was, I was hustling. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make things do. I was working with people. I had no idea. I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea how to do payroll. I had no idea that you can't pay people on ten ninety nine for the whole life. I had no idea about all this stuff. You know, you remember when we like, first had to start paying payroll taxes? How much sucked. it sucked? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and people don't realize that that's like real life stuff. You know, but it's you know it's uh, it's crazy how. You know, we learn things as we kind of grow. The longer I stay in this process, the more I learn. I learn that... I learn that the more honest you are, the better off you're going to be. In all forms of my life. Totally agree. And I don't agree from like a holier than thou standpoint which i i do like i think anybody can agree that being honest is better Mm -hmm. but i also agree from a very like pragmatic standpoint kind of what i was just saying that like it's more beneficial to live your life that way because you're going to do better it's almost it's almost like those little shortcuts are shortcuts to falling off a cliff Mm -hmm. and it requires some patience which i think you and i have both proven is important Mm -hmm. but effective and you know what on that note i heard you for the first time i just realized that we didn't actually talk about your specific business about d squared about d squared media 
um, I'm sure the people have gathered from our conversation so far that you're a design company, you're a marketing company. I think you're in business a little longer than me. So six years, maybe seven years at this point. Six coming on seven. It's been a while. Yeah. Tell me about, um, tell me about some plans for the future. Is there any like little secrets that you got that are making you sick that you're just dying to tell people right now? You know, I think in terms of where I want to go and who I want to be is really taking form kind of right in front of me. And the, re- the what I'm kind of trying to explain is when I first started the business, I was, you know, mainly design, a lot of website, not so much marketing. I had no real, no real concept, nowhere to go, no strive, no, no understanding. And as I kind of see the industry, industry shift. You're just taking work as you get it, right? Yeah, exactly. And the, as things are kind of shifting, I'm realizing that marketing is more important than creative in lots of sense. But the way that I kind of strive is I have a very strong marketing background. I have a very strong design background. And I think there's a, there's a, a, you know, a mold between the two that need to be kind of done because there's either creative companies or marketing companies. And they don't really talk to each other. They don't really don't like each other. They don't like each other that much. And that was honestly my next follow-up question. We see design as a marketing, um, I don't want to say campaign, what's the word for it, as, as an element of marketing. Do you see that as well? Like how would you how would you change the design of a website to be less flashy and pretty and creative and show off all the artistic abilities that you have and be and subtly keep a website beautiful while using that website as an element to convert, I would say. Like what are some tactics that you could give somebody? You know, in terms of, you know, keeping a website pretty but also working in an effective manner is less is more yeah i think um right less animation make sure your website is mobile responsive and that doesn't mean some elements it doesn't mean tiny slider fonts it means very easy easy to use um and you always have to think as your audience as being a little older than us and you know, got to think that like I was looking, I was at a dinner party the other day and the, the, the lady next to me had a size font. It was huge. And you know, on her phone, that's what on the, on a website, that's what it looked like as well. So making sure your tap targets are easy to push. If something's not, if you can't click a menu and it's not pushing down, you're going to lose somebody. So you're saying that she had her phone programmed to be bigger font. Yep. Yeah. Damn, I've been doing this for so long and I never even thought of that. Yeah. And you see people with their their text messages a lot bigger and that, that will translate to a browser, you're yeah. saying as well, yeah. right? That'll make the font bigger on a browser too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, and you also got to think about like, you know, usability. You got to look at the experience, how someone's going to interact with your site. You know, I believe, you know, there, you know, how I said, there's a big disconnect between design and marketing companies. And I, the way I kind of always kind of seen things is, is if it's not one or the same, it's not going to work. You know, you can't, you know, in this day and age, I'm a firm believer. If you have an ugly website, you will not convert. I agree. We we're in a, a day and age where appearance is everything, whether or not you like it or not. You know, you look at celebrities, you look at you know, models, you look at, you know, we, we like good looking things, mm-hmm. people, things, objects, cars, money, fame, whatever it is. Same goes with websites. If something is built in, God, I even hate saying this, 2005, 2007, 2010, you're out of date. Yeah. 
and the likelihood of you not converting as much as you would like to be way higher. Yeah, because people just aren't gonna respect you. Which think is you're funny, considering that your your digital identity, however may however inaccurate it may be is still that important where yeah. if somebody googles you i mean that's why i spend so much time on the tim stodd's website and mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for me like i don't have any business behind it other than like you know like a, a promotion tool for the stuff i'm already doing mm-hmm. but i gotta think that people are gonna see the stuff i'm doing and google my name so when they google my name what do i want them to see exactly I think and really i important. think that could be with almost all industries you know, yeah. you look at, for instance, there's a restaurant ne- next to my house, and I can't tell you, the website is horrendous. They Why is it that restaurants don't pay attention to websites? I've seen that so many times. What drives, do you think it, it is? drives me, uh, b- budget, I think they think it's going to cost them a fortune, uh, and they've probably been approached by God knows how many people. Uh-huh. You know, Open Table probably has a lot to do with that, thinking, you know, an integration between there and their company is going to cost them X amount of dollars. But, you know, in the likelihood is if you have a pretty website, you'll have more people coming to your restaurant. Because those websites get a lot of traffic too without getting, to, to people listening, without getting way too technical, a majority of website traffic comes from Google Maps search. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody listening, next time you Google on your phone, like restaurant near me, and you see the map with all the little pings on it, and uh, you can call the website directly, usually from that Google business listing. And a ton of traffic gets referred to the website because in that listing, there's also usually a a link to the website, you know? But restaurants just... And I would think that an industry that is so visually appealing, such as food and, you know, the decor of a restaurant and, like, the ambiance that you're trying to give off it's like such a perfect example and it's not something that's going to cost you 10 million dollars no <laughs> you know what i mean like it's pretty affordable yeah you can do a low cost option and it will go a long way you literally make it one page you know your logo at the top you have you know the type of restaurant you're at you know at the in the in the slider section you have a photo or two of you in the in the in the restaurant you have a short me- little menu you have the rest of it you have a pdf download and you have a map that's a one page website right there and it's user friendly. It's mobile responsive. I think it would pay for itself within like three months. Yeah, and then and then more. So you said that for the future, it's laying out in front of you. You see things coming together in an area of combining what you know about design with what you know about marketing, and sort of bringing the two together. Um, I've already told everybody about Theme Shop. Do you plan on diving deeper into that or what's your ETA on that? That's that's a big project. It is. Theme Shop was derived out of a need of creating a lower cost option for clients who can't afford expensive web design. And what it spawned off to be was a project in and out of itself uh, where it gave me the ability to design what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and allow people the opportunity of a low cost website for, you know, very little money. But what I didn't realize is how much work and marketing it would have to go into actually creating something like this. Sure. You see these people on like theme forest and stuff like that when they're making hundreds of millions of dollars from selling, you know, pre-made websites. Ultimately, of course, that's where I would like to go, but being realistic, I think it's, you know, 
kind of like taking baby steps and working with third-party marketing companies such as yourself and other companies and basically giving their clients an opportunity to get a lower cost website for and, and earning the business because we understand that like earning the business might be just some, simply as you know doing a favor one time yes and it turns into a referral it turns into a logo it turns into business cards and maybe I ultimately agree. an seo campaign yeah i agree on that note a question that i that i, I think i'm going to start asking towards the end of every interview i do is been what what so far has been the biggest failure you had what's the most painful lesson that you've had to learn because oh, they're usually the most valuable right so what, what's the hardest thing that you've gone through <laughs> in your business so far? The hardest thing I've gone through was actually, <laughs> it's funny you say this. There's a guy from another marketing company mm-hmm. um, that told me very early on to keep my expenses low. I never understood what that meant. They said, as long as you keep your expenses low, you'll be fine. So year five, I thought it'd be a great idea to expand. Um, I expanded. I went from Delray to West Palm. I went from a thousand square foot office or 800 square foot office to a 1500 square foot office, doubled my size, doubled my employees, doubled my overhead. And what I realized very early on is businesses are going to have ups and downs. And if you're not ready for a down moment, it will crush you. You and I both have had this conversation on more than one occasion is my my business gets busier in the summer and slower in the winter. It wasn't like that this year. It was really dead in the summer. And then we got rocked by Irma and Irma didn't even hit us. Yeah. And it screwed us up a lot too. It set us back weeks. And for people like us, granted, thank God we have recurring revenue, but for companies that don't live like that, it, it really set us back. And what I realized was more savings, more more planning, and less overhead. So to be clear, though, you're saying that you're not saying that the move was a down. You're saying that the ups and downs will naturally come, and if you're not adequately prepared for them, exactly. And I think I think the move ultimately was a great idea. I think so too. Your office is so cool. I appreciate that, and I think. But the thing is, it's like also. It's kind of like when you get your first job, you make low pay. Yes. And then you finally get that job that pays a lot of money. Yes. And the first thing you want to do is splurge. Fall out. <laughs> and that's basically where I was at. And then what happens is you lose that job uh-huh. and you still have those responsibilities of that car payment, that house, that expensive lifestyle. And if you're not prepared for a down like that, it's make or break time. And I think ultimately we know a lot of businesses, a lot of people that live like that. And it's businesses that have the savings, the being prepared is, are the ones that succeed. Because there's always going to be storms. Always. And they're the ones that get through it. Always. I totally agree. And I'm so grateful to my parents for, you know, my parents didn't necessarily teach me a whole lot of, financial skills but we lived on we lived very humbly i guess is a good way of saying it and i'm so grateful for that because i've never had that urge to just spend money on stuff you know i've I've made a joke about it before like my car is and probably always will be the coolest thing that i ever (laughs) will have you know i still buy like 
Levi's and I'm not really into clothes, but the office, I, I think in your case, was probably a risk worth taking because nobody could have predicted that hurricane. But I am also thinking some of the conversations we have in here about, I mean, you know, new desks, new computers and how paranoid I get because you just never know when like some shit will happen yeah. that you just can't predict or you can't control. And yeah, you lose one, that client that you, you know, that was been good for you for two years. They yeah. go out of business or something happens and that loss of revenue was a big factor of why you did A, B, C, D, and E. Absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately there's not, you know, what? 99% of the stuff is completely out of our control, whether or not we want to believe that or not. Totally. And it's really preparing for what is next, whether that's next as being tomorrow. You know, I know I have a couple meetings in the morning. Yep. I know I'm going on town on Friday, but ultimately where am I see my business in six months from now? Where do I see it when my lease is up in, you know, uh, April of 2019? You know, am I staying in West Palm? Am I moving elsewhere? What am I doing? And if I don't have a plan, I don't know. I you know, for me, I think I'm doomed for failure. I, there has to be something I'm look, looking forward to going somewhere. You know, am I staying? In, you know, am I stagnant? Um, but for me, I mean, that's you know, having a plan of action is key. I heard a guy once that say, and he was so arrogant, and I hated that when he said it, it really stuck with me because, like, he just he was he was a super smart guy. Maybe I just had an ego because I was a lot younger. Anyway, he said, failing to plan is planning to fail. <laughs> and it just always, always stuck with me because if you have a plan, at least you know where you're going because things change and it's it's better to have a plan knowing that like most likely the the steps in your plan aren't going to lay out exactly how you say the word. It's almost mm -hmm. it's almost a guarantee. Yeah. You know, but regardless when you adjust, you know where to get back onto the path because you have a destination. If you don't have a destination, then I think the circumstances of reality are really dictating where you go as opposed to 100%. you adjusting to the circumstances of reality. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Hey Danny, I'm very grateful for your friendship i'm very grateful for the journey that we have been on thus far every time we get into these conversations it's always interesting to what's the expression it's difficult to see in yourself um what other people might see in you mm -hmm. you know so i think sometimes when we talk it gives me a chance to reflect on like you know how far we've all come in this you a designer with no experience me some punk kid teaching myself seo because you <laughs> had the balls to tell me that i didn't know what i was doing and i think that uh i think that things are going to continue to grow and i'm super super excited to see what you have planned for the next couple of years it seems to me like this lesson that you learned was a good one for you yeah which is usually the way it works yeah which sucks yeah the hardest <laughs> ones are the you know probably the best the ones. most important um all right, dsquaredmedia.net. If you need a designer, if you need a web marketer, I think you guys do a lot of Facebook stuff, right? Yeah. Especially Facebook. Um, dsquaredmedia.net. You use Instagram at all? A little bit. dsquaredmedia. dsquaredmedia. dsquaredmedia at, um, at Instagram. Great. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you already know. It's tim at stodzy.com. I love getting the emails from you. 
as always, I don't care how sick of you hearing it you are. Thank you so much for the downloads. Thank you for the emails, the kind words that you guys have been giving me about my podcasts. As I've said a million times, like I'm pretty much just winging this. And uh, to know that you guys appreciate it and uh, the, the kind words, it just really means a lot. I'm super grateful for it. Um, all right. Thanks. I'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Later.